Here we are again. Welcome Sandals Church Online, our online family. We are a church without walls that digitally travels all over the world. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are, or that you're in your PJs right now. I know some of you are in your PJs and that would be weird if you walked into a building right now, but it's totally acceptable here online. Either way, this is a place for you and God has something for you here today. I promise you, if you lean in and hang out, you will see there's something for you here. Now, if you're a Sandals Church anywhere, I hope you didn't walk into that location with just your jammies on. That would be just kind of be weird. Unless you guys are having a jammy jam Sandals Church anywhere kind of day. I don't know, maybe that's what y'all plan for today. I don't know, whatever. Hey, hey, if you are new, this is who we are. And we want to know who you are. So please go to sandalschurch.com slash next so we can get to know you. We will not flood your inbox with annoying emails or call you during dinner time. We ain't gonna do that. Our heart is to connect with you right here online. And I know that feels more difficult to do online than if we were in person, but right here in the chat or comments, there are people who would love to get to know you. So let's start the conversation and let's start the relationship. Here, you can be real. You can be real here. So let's know. In fact, I, I, here's my question to you. If you're in the chat, this is my question to you. Why do you love this idea of being real? What, what about this idea of being real excites you? Come on, answer it right now in the chat. Well, right now we are going to sing. That's one of the ways we worship. And if you're like me, I like to turn the music up. I like to make this moment about letting God know how much I love him and be reminded about how much he loves me. Let's sing.
Hey, St. Louis Church, welcome back and thanks for joining us. My name is Jeff and I get to be the online campus pastor and I get to work with a team of people who lead this global ministry together. And rather than just me telling you, I'm gonna show you. This is our online campus team. From left to right, this is Nick, our online discipleship lead. This is Taylor, our online youth lead. And then we have Danny, our online worship leader, I like to call our lead worshiper. And Morgan, our campus supervisor. Myself, Aaron, our production lead who puts all of this together that you're watching right now. And our soul care manager, Brian. Not only that, we have a kids team who love your kids and love creating fun and engaging ways to know more about Jesus. Meet Katie, our writer. Joelle, our online kid host. Zach, our graphic designer. Chris, the worship producer. The leaders of the pack, Mr. and Mrs. Coyote. And with the camera, Tegan, who records, edits, and assembles the content that you get to watch every single weekend with your kids. They love what they get to do and would love to have your kids check it out at kids.sandalschurch.tv. But these and other teams would not be able to make online church happen without people like you joining in by volunteering your time and your talent. This ministry and the work that we're doing is growing all the time and we would love to have you be a part of what God is doing to reach the world. No matter where you are, if you would like to serve God by volunteering and being a part of this global team, please go to sandalschurch.com teams and select the online campus to see how you can use what God has given you to reach the world for Jesus. Well, we are in the book of Romans and there is so much that the Apostle Paul wrote in there that is helping us to follow Jesus in a culture that doesn't. That was true back then and it's still true for us today. Here with our latest message is our lead pastor, Matt Brown. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at sandalschurch.tv or for one of our campuses. And I wanna thank our audience who's here today. Man, I tell you, you know, if 2020 taught us anything, man, it can always get worse, amen. It just feels like we're just rolling through like maybe the end times, uh, if we're lucky. Uh, but just this last week, my, my heart was so broken, just what was going on in Israel. And many of you guys don't know, but every Monday morning at 8.30, I'm in class studying Hebrew with an, an elderly woman, I don't wanna say old, elderly woman in Israel from her, her apartment and, and she's handicapped. She, she is not able to escape when the missiles come. And so she just has to sit there and her family evacuates and, and they just pray for her on the way out. And so the things that have been happening are, are real to me as she instructs me, your pastor, every single week. And, and so much of what's happening is so heartfelt and it just hurts so bad. But it's a reminder to those of us in America that racial problems aren't just ours. Like it's not just something America invented, praise God. Like one thing we didn't invent, it's everywhere. It's in the Middle East, it's in China, it's in India. Uh, Tammy and I were just in Mexico, it's in Mexico. It's everywhere because people are everywhere. And I wanna talk to you today about something controversial that shouldn't be controversial. It's something that should unite us. It's this idea of election. And I wanna talk to you today about how election, the doctrine of election can heal racial tension. Because there's a reason there's still all of this animosity going on in the Middle East, okay? And I know that you have all your solutions because you've been on TikTok and you're super woke, but <laughs> this, is, this is a lot older than you think. And so I just wanna talk to you about culture, about people. One of the hobbies that I have, and as the, I think the older you get, the weirder your hobbies are, okay? So one of my hobbies, like if you'd have told me, you know, Matt, when you're almost 50, you're going to be into language. I would have been like, I hated language. I didn't even real do, do, do real well in English, amen? You know, and that's the language I speak. Um, but, but not every language on earth, did you know this, has a language or has a word for every color? Okay, so in English, colors are endless. Like I was asking my wife, you know, we're getting ready for a wedding. And I was like, well, you know, what are the colors? What, what's the color scheme for the wedding? And she used some words, like some words came out of her mouth and it provided zero clarity <laughs> to me as for the colors 
that I needed to wear. Amen, ladies? I don't even know what this color is, okay? Maybe burnt orange, but I'm sure somebody's gonna email me and tell me what it is. But come on, guys. Guys, every guy in here, every guy listening, when you were born, the Lord handed you the cheap Crayola eight pack. That's what you got. Okay, you got the fat crowns. That's what you got. And you're like, I think that's orange. You know, that's you. Ladies, you got the 64 super color pack with the sharpener. That's what you got. So give us some grace. But not all colors, excuse me, not all language, languages have multiple colors. For example, Japanese, in their language, the color blue and green is the same. Ow. Every known language, listen to this, identifies two colors. It doesn't matter how primitive the language is. It doesn't matter how primitive the culture is. Every language starts out with two colors. Anybody want to guess what they are? This is not a rhetorical question. Isn't that interesting? Black and white. Black and white. Isn't it interesting that so many of the tensions in America are black and white? And that cultures everywhere across the world, when they begin to identify colors, the first two colors they identify is black and white. You see, to be human is to divide. If you're into politics, you divide left and right. Okay? If you're, if you're all about sexuality, it's gay and straight. If it's the Middle East this week, are you pro-Israeli or are you pro-Palestinian? Human beings, we naturally oversimplify and divide. It's what we do. You see, the doctrine of election should not divide us. It is actually the very thing that unites us. It unites us. If you rightly understand the doctrine of election, it will change the way you prioritize things. Listen to me, your ethnicity, it matters. It matters to God. He gave you your ethnicity. None of us were in the ethnic line. You know, I want this, I want that. You know, I didn't want to, I wasn't in the line of slightly pink and occasionally really red, right? Like I wasn't in that line. God gave you your, your ethnicity. It was his idea. But here's the thing, when you understand election, your ethnicity becomes second to your calling. And some of you, this breaks my heart. You are more political than you are Christian. And you don't see things as right and wrong anymore, you see things as left and right. And one of the things that breaks my heart about the church today is we are more political than we are focused on what God's called us. I mean, for some of you listening, all you see is Donald Trump the jerk. That's all you see. And for some of you, all you see now is Biden the joke. Election wants you to see Jesus. There's another J. There's another J. And now that I've offended everyone, Let's move on to sexuality. I'm not saying your sexuality doesn't matter. I'm just saying when you understand election and you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, it becomes secondary and Jesus becomes primary. It doesn't take away desires, it creates new ones. And here's the thing that we need to know. In America, we think everything's black and white. And what you need to know about Israel what you need to know about Palestine or whatever label you use to describe the region, it's not ethnic, it's religious. It's not black and white, they're brothers. They're brothers. They come from the same father and his name was Abraham. And there's a lot of tension there that cannot be solved if the story ends in the Hebrew Bible. We need a New Testament. We need a new story to help us unpack and understand what God is doing. And Romans chapter nine is gonna begin to help us unpack this very, very tense story and how God wants to bring us together through the doctrine of election. So what does election mean? Okay, a lot of you have ideas. Some of you have never heard of it. Praise God, I love you. You're in the right church. <laughs> but last week, my wife went out of town and let's just be honest, guys, there's things we get to do when the wife is gone, right? There's just things that happen, right? Kids eat chocolate cake for breakfast, man. Life is good. But what we do in my house is we watch movies that I like. And we watch The Princess Bride. 
I love the princess. My wife can't stand the princess bride. My wife, listen to this. This is going to circle back. She'll even use the word and says, I hate the princess bride. She doesn't believe in true love. But we were watching. She was out of town. We were watching The Princess Bride. And I'm quoting it. I love it. It's got Andre the Giant, a six-fingered man. It's the greatest story ever told. But there's this character named Vincini. And his word is inconceivable. Inconceivable. Right? It's the 80s. You could have a lisp, and it was OK. And he says, inconceivable. He didn't fall? And my favorite character, Anigo Montoya, yeah. you kill my father, prepare to die. I love him. He says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. And some of you keep using the word election, but I do not think it means what you think it means. So in order to talk about election in Romans 9, we have to look at the word in Romans 8. We just spent weeks in Romans 8. Because Romans 8's far less controversial. I was supposed to be at a pastor's meeting this week and they were texting me, where are you? I said, I'm preaching on Romans 9. And they all went, oh. <laughs> you know. So in order to handle Romans 9, we gotta look at Romans 8, 8.33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who? Unfortunately, there's so much condemnation on the doctrine of election. I think that's our spiritual gift as Christians. The thing that's supposed to bring us together tears us apart. You know, God gives us spiritual gifts and we use them to clobber each other. Well, let me give you the Greek word for election. The Greek word is eklektos. That's the word, that's the word. Who shall bring a charge against the Lord's eclectos? It's where we get our English word, eclectic. And I think it's gonna help you understand what it means. It means a selective choice amongst many things. You see the fight in Israel, the fight in Palestine, the fight in Gaza is who has God chosen? Jews or Palestinians? Christians or the Druze? Some of you haven't even heard of the Druze. Many of them go to our church. Or did they choose the Bedouins? Or is it the Arabs? Or is it the Kurds? Or is it the Chinese? Or is it the Germans? Or is it the Americans? God bless America, right? Who is God's eclectos? Who is the eclectic group that God is choosing? In Romans 9, 11, right in the center of everything we're gonna talk about, the Apostle Paul says that God is doing all of this, listen, in order that God's purpose of election might continue. Election is not something new. It's something that began in the, in the very beginning. God elected Adam and Eve to be the first people. God elected Abraham to be the first one who was called. God elected Moses to give us his words. And God, as we're gonna get into it, has elected Jesus. And he's also elected you. You see, this purpose of election has been going through human history. And part of the problem is we constantly circle our wagons. Who does God love? And listen to this, he loves his elect. He loves his eclectic gathering of goofballs. I asked my wife, you know, I got all these Greek dictionaries in my house. I got, I got all these books. I got volumes on Greek, okay? I mean, you need a degree to look up the, look up the Greek words in these books that I buy. I'm not kidding you. And I, I, I wasn't satisfied with the answer. So I turned to my wife. I said, what do you think eclectic means? She nailed it. She nailed it, okay? This is what it means. It means that God is seemingly has a random selection of people throughout history for divine purpose. 
Eclectic is someone who randomly selects things and somehow brings them together to make them look beautiful. An eclectic person doesn't have a style, they are style. Think about that. Our clothes define us. An eclectic person will wear Air Jordans with a suit. They don't care. And that's what God is doing. God is choosing from amongst the nations so that he will be represented by all people, by every tribe, by every tongue. And here's what's happening is election is moving us to stop dividing because of our ethnicity. And it's calling us to unite under the banner of Christ. So where does election begin? Number one in your notes, God elected Israel. For what? Man, I worked on this for half an hour. And finally, after exhaustion, prayer, panic, crying out to God, I feel like the Lord gave me this word. God elected Israel to do one thing, to bring us Jesus. To bring us Jesus. And the apostle Paul begins in Romans chapter nine, verse one, heartbroken because the very people that brought us Jesus have rejected Jesus and he's hurting inside. It breaks his heart, it breaks his soul. Listen to what he says in anguish. He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ and I am not lying. He says, my conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. He says, for I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers and kinsmen according to the flesh. Stop. Man, here's the reality. When we see racial tension, when somebody looks like us, it moves us. And listen to me, that's okay, as long as that's not all that moves you. It's okay to love your people. But the Apostle Paul doesn't just love his people. His heart breaks because his people don't know Jesus. They're my kinsmen, they're my people, that's my race, that's who I'm with. I'm one of them and they're one of me. And here's what I want you to notice, it's so subtle in the text. The pronouns shift from I and me to they and them. Why? Because they have done something that he has not done. And their choice means that he belongs now to a different group and a different people that is not identified by race but is it identified by Christ's righteousness? Love your people, but love them to Jesus. March with your people, but march them to Jesus. Otherwise, Israel is just a picture of America as long as America exists. And let me tell you something, Israel has had many names and been ruled by many groups and they've had the same problem because Jesus is still not the king. He says, they are Israelites, they are. He shifts from me, my, our, mine, my skin, my flesh, my people to they. They are Israelites. And to them, he's not negative, he's not critical, he's complimentary. To them belong the adoption. You see, the Jews were the first to be adopted. The first, they got to be God's own people. And you're like, well, that's not fair. That's not right. The Bible says God didn't choose them because they were special. The Bible says God chose them because they were the least wicked. Can you imagine, ladies, a guy proposes to you because you're the least ugly woman? <laughs> that's how God proposed. Ezekiel says this, that they were a child left for dead. No one even cut their umbilical cord. No one nursed him. No one loved him. No one wrapped them with salt. They were left for dead. Nobody's but God saw them and he chose them. 
To them belongs the adoption, the same adoption that you and I have because of Jesus. To them belongs the glory, the glory. They got to see the Shekinah glory of God. Some of you are like, I want to see God in worship. And the angels are like, I don't think you know what you're asking for. Because they saw God's glory and they asked Moses to make it stop. Oh, we're all going to die. Pretty sure this is not good. Matter of fact, when Moses said, I want to see you face to face, the Lord put him in the cleft of the rock and he said, you can see my backside. Because no one can see the glory of God and live. To them belong the adoption. To them belong the glory. To them belong the covenants. What has God, what does God want? What reveals the heart of God? God wants to marry us as he married them. God is the faithful husband. I was meeting with a group of individuals, of Christians that are gathering together to try to change what's happening in California, specifically in Los Angeles. Los Angeles has gone from one of the most beautiful cities to one of the most horrendous cities. It has gone to one of the most uniquely special places on earth to a place I won't even visit. And they gathered together with leaders in Los Angeles, social workers, people of different politics, people of different sexualities, people of different religions. And they said, what's LA's number one problem? What could change this whole tide? What could turn it around? Here's the number one answer, fatherlessness. We don't have men who are faithful because we've forgotten our faithful father who teaches us how to be faithful men. God says, I am faithful to you. No matter when you cheat, no matter how you despise me, God continues to honor his part of the marriage vow. And next, the Jews got the law. The law teaches us how to live. I remember when my first daughter was born and they handed her to me. I was looking around. She's all naked. No instructions. I don't think I'd ever held an infant in my life. Guys, go work in the nursery. Hold a baby. Like even if it's for a minute. Here you go. Here you go. I was panicked. Tammy needed a rest. She wasn't helping me at all. Right? <laughs> I mean, the nurse, the nurse has gone to school. She has training, just here. And some of you are running around like a fool because you've never received training. The law trains us. It shows us what's right. It shows us what's wrong. And some of you are like, well, I didn't know. Well, God says, it's because you didn't read the law. God gave them the worship, the worship. You know what's wrong with your life? You worship everything but God. You see, when you get that out of order, nothing, nothing satisfies you. Some of you worship politics. Some of you worship your sexuality. Some of you worship your religion. None of that works. But here's the good news. Paul says to them, he gave the promise. What's the promise? That this mess we call home, it won't last forever. God's gonna fix it. You see, your life, this is, all, this is all your life means ultimately. Which side of the fix do you choose to live on? Right? You wanna be with the good kids or you wanna be with everybody else? That's it, that, that's, all, that's all that matters. You think life's bad now? You wait till God pulls out. You wait till he pulls all of his people out. And oh, you're gonna be free to suffer forever. And Jesus said, that's not what you want. That's not why God made you. God didn't make you to suffer forever. God made you to choose him and to be with him, but it's a covenantal relationship. One where he says, I love you, and he's waiting for your response. To them belong the patriarchs. The Jews gave us Abraham. The Jews gave us Isaac. And the Jews gave us Jacob. To them belong the patriarchs. It's so sad. It's so sad. Tammy and I, we've been to, to, to Israel many times. We've been into the West Bank. We've been in areas where we didn't know you're not supposed to go. 
Like we've been to areas where we tried to rent a car and, and, and Thrifty was like, no, no. And then there's a guy out on the street who's like, I'll take you there, you know, and he's missing an eye. And we went there and it broke my heart because where Abraham is buried is a mosque. And then there's a bulletproof window and on the other side of the window is his wife, Sarah. And it's a synagogue. And there's bullet holes in both religious places by fanatics from both sides. You see, the patriarchs are beautiful, but they couldn't save you. Being patriotic doesn't make you better, does it? Sometimes it makes you worse. And to them belong the patriarchs and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ. And now we fight over that. Well, Jesus is a Palestinian. Jesus was Jewish. What was he? A Jew who lived in Palestine. That's what he was. That's what he was. And we fight over everything. We fight over names and words. When there's one word that can save you and there's one name that can save you. Who is he? His name is Jesus. Who is God over all? Blessed forever. Amen. Thank God he didn't put it in our hands. Election puts it in God's hands. Because you and I screw it up. But the Jews rejected Jesus. And so here's the question in Rome. Has God failed? You ever felt that way? Has God failed in my marriage? Has God failed with my kids? Has God failed in my life? We get so depressed, we get so discouraged. Has God failed? The Apostle Paul can hear their questions, hear their doubt. He says, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. Why? For not all who are descendants from Israel belong to Israel. You see, there's something that matters more than the color of your skin or the culture with which you identify. Here's the thing that matters most about you is your heart and does it beat, bleed, and belong to God. I remember the first time I went to Israel and I met Jews who are atheist, atheist. They don't believe in God at all, at all. But they still call themselves Jewish. Would you say they belong to Israel? Would you say that they're a part of the, of the promise? He says, not all who are children of Abraham because, because they're not all, just because they're his offspring doesn't mean it. It says this, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. You see, Abraham has two sons. One is Ishmael. The other is Isaac. Ishmael is just as much Abraham's son as Isaac was. There's one difference. Abraham made Ishmael through the flesh and God made Isaac through a promise. It's not that he didn't love Ishmael. When Ishmael's mother is crying in the wilderness, left for dead, God comes to her and he says, I will make your son into a great nation. Oh, but they're gonna like to fight. Yeah, they like to kick against everyone and everything. They're gonna be a challenge, but they're gonna be something to deal with and something to reckon. God loves them. God has a heart for them. It's not that he loved Ishmael less. It's that he elected Isaac to be the line from which Jesus would come. This is what election is. Election is God moving sovereignly through history to ensure that Jesus came. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is when they decide to kill Jesus. You know, they decide, hey guys, we've had a meeting. I think I've had enough of this guy. I don't wanna see anybody else who is blind see. I don't want any other dead people raised. A leprosy is fine. I don't want any more healings. Let's kill him. And it says Jesus walked through the crowd and was untouched. Do you know why? It was not his time. And you cannot lay a hand on him until it is his time. You see, God has sovereignly been intervening throughout history to bring about the reality of Jesus so that he could save your soul. 
And some of you as Christians are like, well, God's in control. Not of all your stupid decisions. That's you. That's you. You're like, oh. What is God in control of? Whatever he chooses to be in control of. Because he's sovereign. The word sovereign means the ability to do as one wishes. That's what sovereignty means. God is sovereignly working throughout history to ensure that his election might come about so that you can be saved. This means that it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I will return and Sarah, who's like in her like late senior citizens, she's older than either president that ran for president, okay? You know, she's like whippersnappers, right? She's young. I mean, she's old. They're, they're young. About this time next year, Sarah shall have a son. She's going to have a child and I'm going to work through that. And she's like, you know what? This uterus has been on sleep mode for decades, And God said, I don't need your uterus, Sarah. I need you to believe. And I need you to trust. And she laughed. And guess what Isaac's name means? Laughter. The joke's on you, Sarah. God's election will always happen as he calls it. But listen to this. But God hasn't just elected between two half-brothers. He actually elects between twins. But also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, she was told the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. Now stop. Many people misunderstand this passage and we'll get to this at the end. The older will serve the younger is in Genesis 25. The next verse, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated, is at the end of the Bible. There's 1,500 years between these sentences. And we're gonna talk about what happened. God elected, God elected Jacob so that Jesus would come through his line, but he still loved Esau. But what happened was, Esau got so bad, so terrible, so far from God. In Malachi, you know what that book's about? The Jews are complaining, kind of like you and me. I don't think you love me. And the Lord says, I have loved you. And he says, look at what's happened to your brother Esau. He doesn't even exist anymore. And that would be you if I didn't love you, if I didn't protect you, and I didn't keep you, because Esau went his own way and they're gone. But you're still here. And I still get to hear your complaints every day. <laughs> Number two, so God elected Israel to bring us Jesus. Number two, God has elected Jesus to bring us to him. Romans 9, 14 and 16, what shall we say then? Right? Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. How do we respond to that? Does that feel like social justice? Some of you don't understand what God's saying here. Many of us don't understand. And it's one of the, the verses most widely taken out of context. Here's what my wife means when she says, I hate the princess bride. She means I would, I would rather watch something else. I prefer something else. I will choose something else. It's the same thing God is using the language for. He is using the word hate, not in comparison to his heart for Esau. He's using it in comparison to his heart and faithfulness for Jacob. He says, you think, you think I don't love you? Look what happened to your brother. That could have been you. So what then shall we say? Is there injustice on God's part? By what? No means. How dare you? I don't think God's just. I don't think God's fair. I don't think we'll be reading your words in a hundred years. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing, man? We wanna make room for what everybody thinks, everybody gets to feel, everybody expresses whatever it is except God. 
That's intolerant. That's unacceptable. That's out of date. No, it's eternal. It's eternal. I don't care what you do in life. If we're still around in 2,000 years, nobody will be reading you. But they will be reading him because his word lasts forever. By no means, he says, for he says, Moses, he says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. God is in control. God is driving the car that saves your soul. He says, I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Don't you want to determine who you love? I mean, I think it'd be a lot easier if my wife and I, we just picked for our kids. Here's your husband. Here's your wife. <laughs> so why doesn't God get to determine who he loves? He says, so then it, it does not depend on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Our relationship with God is never about us. It is always about God. It is always about him. God has compassion on who, has, on who he has compassion. He has mercy on who he has mercy. So here's the question. Who is God chosen sovereignly to be merciful to? Who has God sovereignly chosen to be compassionate with? Let's go back to Jacob and Esau. God originally said, the older will serve the younger. Jacob was a snot, liar, deceiver, mama's boy. Come on now. Esau was fully man, toxic in every way, right? Hairy, blessed with hair. But it's not, it's not that, that God loved Jacob less. The difference is Esau got more and more prideful. He didn't listen to his parents. He married who he wanted. Listen to me, young people. It says his choice in marriage broke his mother and father's heart their entire life. He went his own way. He did his own thing. And eventually his relatives, you see when you follow your own heart, you find it, and it destroys you. What happened to Jacob? He's an idiot. So if you think Israel's super special, just look at the patriarchs. Abraham's like, oh, you want to sleep with my wife? Go ahead. Yeah, where is she? She's my sister. And some of you are like, what? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. And his son Isaac does the same thing. And then he produces Jacob, and he's a disaster. They weren't saved because they were special. They were saved because God had a special love and he chose them. Here's the difference between Jacob and Esau. Esau ran from God. Jacob wrestled with God. Never forget this. It says that Jacob wrestled with God all night until the Lord touched his hip and broke it. Why, you want a relationship with God, then you have to be broken by God. And the Bible says Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life. He was humbled by God. Who does God have mercy on? Who does God have compassion on? All who humble themselves in the sight of the Lord. Listen to me. God has sovereignly chosen, sovereignly chosen to have mercy on all who humble themselves and call upon the name of Jesus. We don't need to argue over who's elected. We need to work together to bring people to Jesus. Don't get stuck in Romans 9. Don't. Don't get stuck there because Romans 10 is coming. And just so you know, Paul didn't write the chapters. He didn't write the verses. Can you imagine you write a love letter to your wife? Chapter 3, verse 2. That feels weird. It's one letter. It's one letter. Paul's broken for Israel, who's rejected God. They've said no to Jesus, but there's still hope. They're not predetermined to eternity apart from God. If they humble themselves, if they call upon the name of Jesus, just like you, just like me, they too can be saved. Romans 10, 9 through 13. If you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's just like, like back that up. Sorry, I've been watching too much Jim Carrey lately. He's like, <laughs> How does Paul begin the sentence? If you. God's already moved. God's already called. God's waiting for you to call. I will have mercy upon whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And God will have mercy and God will have compassion on all those who humble themselves and call upon the name of the Lord. And some of you are still not satisfied. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Who are you? Who are you? Read Romans 9. Can the potter, can the clay say to the potter, can the one who was made say to the one who made it? Who, who are you? Who are you? Who, who are we? I just found out the Russians are trying to drill to the middle of the earth this week. Do you know, do you know they stopped? Do you know why? We don't have a metal that can withstand the heat a mile down. Who are we? Who are we? Oh, we got Elon Musk. He might go to Mars. Like, if this room is space, that's like this. <laughs> right? Can you imagine the angels are in heaven? Elon Musk might go to Mars. Great, they learned to. <laughs> who are you? How can the one who is made say to the one who made them? Some things are for honor, some are for dishonor. Look, God is moving throughout history to save your soul. And you got one shot, one shot, and you can't save yourself. You see, here's the Jews' problem. They thought that being a Jew and having the law made them right with God. God says you're right with me when I say you're right with me. And the way you're right with me is through my son, Jesus, whom, by the way, you rejected. For with one heart, excuse me, with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. You see, because of Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're from the lineage of Esau. It doesn't matter if you're from the lineage of Jacob. It doesn't matter if you were Isaac. It doesn't matter if you were Ishmael. What matters to God is do you know Jesus? You see, the problem with the world is we're caught up in what divides us and we fail to see Jesus who unites us. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is the Lord of them all. Listen to me, Sandals. We will never be right with each other until we are right with God. Right. And listen to this. God bestows his riches on all who call on him. Did you know that China is studying us? Because nobody can figure out what makes America great. I mean, look at us. It's, that's that's got to be, you know... <laughs> You look at that team, you're like, how do they keep winning? I don't, I don't know. And I was listening to a Chinese economist. And he said, he listed three things that makes America great. That makes America the world's dominant superpower. One was economic, one was military, and the third was our faith in God. From an atheist country, they identified the presence of the Lord as a blessing upon this nation. Why? Because for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. America is not a perfect nation, it's a sinful nation, but thank God there's been believers here and we all got blessed. Some of us have the doctrine of election upside down. We just do. I was working out this week, bought a weight belt, you know. I thought I was so cool, you know. You ever put on a weight belt? I mean, it just, it just makes you feel like, you know. 
I thought it was so cool and this guy came up to me. He's all, hey, Pastor Matt. I was like, hey. I don't know if, I don't know if you noticed, but wearing the weight belt. He said, uh, the weight belt, it's on upside down. And I looked and sure enough, it was. See, it works better if you turn it around. Listen to me. Some of you got election upside down. Election does not limit who can be saved, but it ensures that all can be saved. And here's why. You see, we argue amongst Christians who's elected. Let me help you out. Jesus is the elected one. Luke 23, 25, Jesus is dying on the cross for who? For you. Here's what the Jews say. And the people stood by watching and the rulers scoffed at him. Listen to these words very carefully. He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, and guess what the Greek word is? Eklektos. Let's see if he is the one. Jesus takes the disciples where they get to see who he really is. Not all the disciples, just a few. Peter, James, and John. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, ek loge. Same word in Romans 9:11. same word. Listen to this. Listen to him. You see, God has not elected you to salvation. He has elected Jesus as salvation. Remember where we started? Every language starts with two colors. Black and white. Every language, every culture across the world, when they add a third color, Here's what's interesting. Doesn't matter if it's in the Amazon jungle, if it's in China, if it's in Russia. The third color is always red. Listen to me, without Jesus, you will only see things in black and white and you will always see red and your anger will consume you and destroy you. And just like Jerusalem, the city of peace that never has peace, you never will. But with Jesus, you won't be see red, but you'll be covered in it. I caught my wife this week. She was listening to a worship song, and I'm not super gifted with music, but I, I began to listen to these words, and it's a song written by Leland, and the song's name is A Better Word. A Better Word. And some of you are stuck in black and white. You're stuck in left and right. You're stuck in Israel and Palestine. God is a better word. And the word is the color red. And the word is the blood of Jesus. Listen to what he says. Your blood, your blood is healing every wound. Your blood is making all things new. Your blood speaks a better word. And then he stops in the song and he says, do you believe it? Your blood is the measure of my worth. Your blood is more than I deserve. Your blood speaks a better word. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the blood of God. It's singing out with life. It's shouting down the lies. It echoes through the night. What is it? It's the precious blood of Christ, the elect of God who died for you. What is his blood? Listen to the song. Your blood is a robe of righteousness. It's not me, it's him. It's not me, it's him. Your blood is my hope and my defense. Your blood forever covers me. The precious blood of Christ speaks a better word. It speaks a better word. And then the song ends with this and it's calling out my name. Whoa, it's breaking every chain. It's making all things right, the precious blood of Christ. Listen to me, the blood of Christ is calling out 
your name. Are you ready to call on his? Are you ready? For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Jew, Gentile, black, white, gay, straight, man, woman, Republican or Democrat, socialist or capitalist, atheist or whateverist, I ran out. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. We pray in the name of the elect one who was chosen before the foundation of the world and crucified in our place. God, you said in your word, let our election be true. Let it be true. God, let us ask ourselves right now, right here, have we humbled ourselves? Have we called upon the name of Jesus? Have we wrestled with you and been broken? Or are we like Esau and we have pridefully gone our own way? Humble us, break us, heal us, cover us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. What an amazing message. Whoever calls out to the Lord shall be saved. To keep in the realm of movies, I love Superman, and, and, and I love the Man of Steel film. And in the extras on the Blu-ray within the menu, there are interviews with the actors. And Amy Adams, who plays Lois Lane, says what a great story this is, because who wouldn't want to be saved from themselves, describing basically the Superman story. Amy, friends, Sandals Church anywhere, Sandals Church online, we need to be saved from ourselves. And we have a God who didn't travel from another planet, but as Pastor Matt said, moved through history to save our souls. Jesus came to save us. He came to save you, he came to save me. Jesus has done the work so that we can be sure of God's love for us. Let that sink in right now, that whoever you are, wherever you are, and whatever you've done, Jesus is for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is actually for you? The sacrifice of Jesus is is for you and, and, and next week we will be celebrating communion together globally right here. But today, so that you can celebrate with us next week, you can receive him right now. If today is the day for you to accept the sacrifice for the very first time, we're here and we want to celebrate that with you. Please let us know by heading to sandalschurch.com slash next and select follow Jesus, or let someone know right now in the chat. If you're already following Jesus, your next step may, may, may look different, but it's just as important. We've created the growth path to show you your personalized next steps to help you follow Jesus in real life. Check it out right now in the Sandals Church app. And before I continue, I just wanna recognize some amazing men and women. Here in the United States, this upcoming Monday, we'll recognize Memorial Day, which is a national salute to the soldiers who have died serving our country. So many have given their own lives for the hope of something better for others. Thank you. I think it's pretty awesome to see people give up a lot, maybe even their all because, because of their belief that things can be better. Well, so many that call Sandals Church their home believe in a savior who died for us so that we could have what's better, so we can have what's the best for us and for everyone. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. That, that outdoes any sacrifice that we could ever do. And because of that belief, our co-founders, Pastor Matt and Tammy Brown, believed in a powerful vision that's been impacting people all over and for, for, for all types of people for over 20 years. And this vision is about being real, real with ourselves, God, and others. 
and we are continuing to have this vision go around the world and back again because of those of you who give. And if you are not giving and would like to, you can do this on the app or by going to give.sc. Hey, friends and family, thanks so much for joining us online today. Our hope is that you were greatly impacted by this service and, and that this message would not stop here. Don't let it just, don't, don't, don't just hear it and let it stop, but that you would start a conversation with your family, community group, or your St. Louis Church anywhere. I hope that today and this week, you'll think about whether your heart belongs to God. And please continue to hang out with us throughout the week so that we can help all of us get there. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you here next week.